Hello and welcome to Church at the Bridge. Thank you so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. Today is week two of our brand new series, When Life Gives You Lemons. And the title of today's message is The Meditation of Your Heart. We hope you enjoy today's word. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. How are you? And thank you for giving us the opportunity to join you this morning in your home. I believe that what we're bringing today is hope to the hopeless. What we're bringing is strength where there may be weakness. I believe that there's a timely word that God has to speak into your life and into your heart right now. Well, again, uh, we we are just truly grateful and excited to be with you this morning. Over the last uh, uh, two weeks, last week, we started a new series entitled, When Life Gives You Lemons. When Life Gives You Lemons. Now, if I asked you to finish this sentence, when life gives you lemons, most of you would respond and make lemonade, right? That's what we would respond. Now, think about this. While most of us are familiar with that phrase, not many people today are as familiar with its meaning and power. I want you to consider what I'm saying here. How you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your current situation. How you respond to life in times of difficulty determines the difficulty in your situation. And today I want to pick up where we left off last weekend, and I want to talk to you on the topic of the meditation of your heart. The meditation of your heart. For most of us, we navigate in the face of adversity. Uh, the way we navigate, it, it's, it's restricted, really. It's restricted by the realm of our thoughts. Think about this. We start thinking about our feelings, what we're feeling. We think of... Uh, through the many scenarios that we envision and we even create the stories that we run through our head about how something's going to work, how something's going to go, how something's going to turn out for you. We think about our responses. We think about uh, what people are saying and how they perceive us and how we appear in the view of others and even our own view. But few people stop to think about what they are believing what they're believing. And this is where we grow bitter if we're not careful instead of better. So all thoughts derive from the root of our beliefs. And so therefore, if we're to successfully navigate through adversities in life, we must learn to guard the place of our heart and to identify erroneous beliefs. And so I want us to consider for a moment what's really going on in the heart. What's really happening in the heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 tells us this. It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. There was a time in my life I can remember when I underwent many, many struggles. You know... I hate to burst some people's bubbles, but don't let the pastor title fool you. Man, have I made some mistakes. I've made some mistakes throughout my life. And there was a time in my life where my life was riddled and defined by struggles. Anger was common. Violence was normal. Dysfunction was a way of life. It was the normal in our lives. And then there came a point in my life where I began to sense that something was wrong. You ever been there? Where it's like you're in the midst of what you call life. And you're kind of just responding to life. But in the midst of that, you kind of get this sense like something's off. What am I missing? I'm not satisfied. I don't don't understand what, 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 what it is that I have to do. To, to feel at peace in life. I think that we can all relate to that. And that's where I was. And I was getting to a place where I was no longer comfortable with what was happening in my life. And I came to the conclusion at that point, listen to where I got. I came to the conclusion at that point that the people around me and the surroundings that I was comfortable with, that all those things had to change. And as long as I changed those things, 
I'd be good. But after doing so, I expected change. I really thought that if I just changed the people, the places, and the things around me, that it would all be good. And what I came to realize was that nothing changed. And the reason why nothing changed was because nothing changed in my heart. See, you can change your surroundings. You can change your circumstances. You can change the people around you. You can change your clothes. You can change your appearance. You can change your address. But unless you change what's in your heart, you'll never experience true change. And so you see, when life gives you lemons, when life throws lemons at you, it's so important to consider what you believe in your heart. Because what you believe in your heart, according to what we just heard in, in, in Proverbs 4.23, that's what you'll reap. That's what you'll receive. Because you see, God says that everything flows from the heart. So unless there's a change in this wellspring from which your belief flows, nothing will change. Nothing will change. You'll continue to follow the same flow. You'll continue going in the same direction. Now, I know that that's something that all of us can relate to. Because I know that for me, I was an expert at doing the same thing and expecting different results. And I think that we've all been there at some point in our lives where we're going around in circles. And we're expecting to head... And, and find a new destination point. We're expecting to, to, ex, to, to experience something different. And the reality is that we won't. And the reason why we won't is because we're still following the same belief systems. See, if there's not a change in your heart, there won't be a change in your life. Listen to James chapter 1. Verses 12 and 18. It says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now listen closely. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person, now listen closely because what we begin to see here is what's happening in the heart. It says, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after their desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Verse 16, don't be deceived my dear brothers and sisters. I want to pause right there for a moment because what I want you to see is that God isn't condemning anyone. As a matter of fact, he's speaking to us in a very endearing way. And if what you're seeing is that something is amiss in your heart, something's off in your heart, then what I want you to see is that God refers to you as a dear, dear brother, dear sister, dear child, dear chosen one. And what he's saying is this. He says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. Now, I want you to consider that what we see here is a snapshot of what begins to happen in the heart when we begin to reap results that are destructive, when we begin to go a wrong way in life. And the truth is that every one of us is capable of that because every one of us has a heart that can be deceived, that can be led astray if we do not guard it. See, your heart is the place of conception for your life. I'm going to say that again. Your heart is the place of conception for all your life. 
Nothing that you and I do, nothing that anyone in this world does is done independent of a belief. Whether it's right or wrong. And the beliefs that we begin to conceive in our heart that lead to desire and from desire lead to error, lead to sinful ways, lead to uh, uh, decisions apart and dependent from God, lead us to completely set God apart. All those things begin to bear fruit and eventually lead us and entice us and take us to places that for some of us we never thought we'd find ourselves in. I've been there. But that all begins with what's happening in the heart. It's what's called the meditation of your heart. It's beliefs. See, in the heart, it's where beliefs, desires, and error flow from. And it is the root of every habit, every hurt, everything that holds you captive, every destructive uh, belief and lifestyle and, and, and outcome that you continue to get. But the converse of this is also true. See, conversely, it's also the place where every good and perfect gift from God finds its release into your life. It's the heart. And so we got to really consider how to change the flow of our lives. Because I can assure you that every one of us at some point has, does, or will believe erroneously. There will be an inerrant, there'll be a, a, a faulty belief at work in our lives. In Joshua chapter 6, it details a great victory in a place called Jericho. This place, Jericho, uh, was, uh, was the first city that the people of Israel encountered after crossing over from uh, the, the, after their uh, release from Egypt, their deliverance from Egypt. And then when they finally crossed over into what was the promised land. Now, you got to understand that in Joshua chapter 6, what we have is the account of a great victory that was spearheaded by the leadership of a man named Joshua. And when God commanded Joshua to take the armies of Israel into the land of, that, that he had promised them, the first enemies that they came across was these specific people, the people of Jericho. They were of the people of Canaan, of the Canaanites. And this place, Jericho, was a large city according to its day and age, according to its times. It had a retaining wall. Uh, uh, theologians and, and Bible scholars say that they had a, 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 a retaining wall that was six feet thick. It was about 15 feet high. That was just the outer wall. And then there was an inner wall, which was the main wall, which they, which they believe was up to 26 feet high. And according to the scriptures, upon arriving, the Israelites who were ready for a fierce battle, they were ready to fight. They were ready to go. They were revved up. They were expecting war. They were ready to go. The Bible says that in Joshua chapter 6, it recounts that they did not have to lift a finger. Instead, God gave them a command that made no sense. He said to them, you're going to go and you're going to, you're going to ransack this place, Jericho. You're going to completely obliterate it. You're going to come against these people. And he says, but here's my instruction to you. I want you to walk around it for the first six days. And every, every day on those first six days, you're going to walk around once. And you're going to walk around in silence. All you're going to do is march around the city. I imagine that upon hearing that, I, I would think that many people then were like you and me. God, this doesn't make sense. But the people of Israel followed instruction. And so the Bible says that they march around this city for six days once every day. And the Bible gives us clear account that the people of Canaan were trembling with fear. Because they had heard about God's great deliverance 
from Egypt, how he delivered the people of Israel from Egypt. And so these people are afraid, and I imagine that they are trembling in, in their boots. They are cowering in this city. And the end result is that on the seventh day, when they get there to march, God says to Joshua, tell the people that this time they're to march around seven times around this wall, around this city. And once they complete the seventh round, here's what they're going to do. They're going to shout. They're going to blow the trumpets and shout. And the Bible says that the end result was the collapse of these walls and a great victory that instilled fear in all their enemies. Now get this, while this was indeed a great victory for the people of Israel, this battle was not won on that day. I'm going to tell you why. Because it all began with what happened in Joshua's heart before God. Listen to what I'm talking about. In Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, it says that after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, he says, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. And I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. This is the second time God says that. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I feel like God's speaking to some of us right now. Have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? He says, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Let me translate that for you right now. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you are right now and wherever you're going. In verse 10 it says, And so Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready three days from now. You will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. There's a couple of things that we learn here from Joshua's experience, his initial experience and his response to God that prepared him in the face of adversity. There was something that occurred in his heart. The first thing that I want to share with you here as we're coming, as we're wrapping up, is this, that victory in the face of adversity begins in the heart. Victory in the face of adversity begins in the heart. As we're introduced to Joshua as Israel's new leader, we find that the world around him has come crashing down. They're at the tail end of a 40-year journey that took them around in circles because of the hardness of their hearts. And just when they're about to enter into this promised land, if you'll study this out in the book of Deuteronomy, what you'll see is that Moses makes a grave mistake. And as a result of it, God tells him, you're not entering the promised land. You're going to die and go to be with your forefathers. 
but you're not going to enter. And in the midst of all this, as all this has happened, God appoints Joshua as the new leader in Israel. And he tells him that he will be the one to take the people over into the promised land. But before he can do so, God had to help Joshua confront the condition in his heart. I want you to consider that while we find God assuring Joshua that he would in fact lead the people to victory, he tells them flat out, wherever you go, you're going to succeed. Wherever you set your foot, you're going to prosper. You're going to, the, 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 the nations are going to tremble before you. But while Joshua knows this, notice that God says to him three times, be strong and courageous. And he also repeats to him, do not be afraid. See, like Joshua, we cannot overcome the adversities that lie ahead of us if we do not allow God to help us confront the fears and weaknesses that we might harbor within us. Think about this. Before you attempt to win the battle without, before you attempt to win the battle without, you got to understand something. You must first win the battle within. You must win the battle within. I'm going to say that again. Before you attempt to win the battle without, around you, before you try to confront your fears, before you try to confront your troubles, before you try to confront your loss, before you try to confront your naysayers, your barriers, everything that's coming against you, before you confront those and you win that battle on the outside, you must first win the battle within the one that's on the inside. And that battle can only be won in the heart. That battle can only be overcome as we have a change in the heart. And see, what we see here is that God gives us the key in Joshua 1.8. Listen to what he says to him. He says, keep this book of the law on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Did you catch what he said? Meditate on it day and night. He's talking about a function within the heart. A function within the heart. He says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it that you will be prosperous and successful. And so as we're coming to a close here this morning, I want you to consider where your heart is. I want you to think about where you're fighting your battles. Are you fighting them on the inside? Are you winning in the heart so that you can win in life? Or are you losing that battle there? See, God is giving you a heart with which to believe, but it's up to you to do something in your heart. It's up to you to gear and to orient and to navigate with the heart. And so I want you to consider this next point here because notice that God says to him, meditate on this book of the law, on this word day and night. And we're going to talk about that in a second. But he also told Joshua, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Listen, what's on your lips, and this is an important point, what's on your lips provides direction for what's in your heart. It provides direction for what's in your heart. It's no small thing that God told Joshua that he should keep his word upon his lips. 
You know why? Because Joshua was experienced with the hardened hearts of the people of Israel. He understood what was going on in their hearts. On more than one occasion, Joshua had to speak according to what God had promised to combat. The fears that drove these people to declare that they would utterly fail. I believe it's in Numbers 13. It records a time where, and I don't have time to get into this whole story, but it records a time where Joshua and Caleb and and 10 other spies are sent by Moses to go and spy out the land of promise. And the Bible says that they all go and they all observe the same land. They observe the great fruits. They realize that what God has said is true. But of these 12, 10 came back and they weren't focused on the promise of God. They weren't focused on on the certainty that they had based upon what God had told them they would see. You know what they were focused on? They came back and they said, it is indeed a good land and it does flow with milk and honey. But we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes in the sight of the giants that are there. And the Bible says that Joshua and Caleb told the people basically to shut their mouths. And they began to declare what God had said. And they said, we can surely do this. Let's go and take this land right now. The Bible says that what was on the lips of the people, of these 10 spies, that it infected the entire nation of Israel. Listen, the promises of God are true. But you must be careful what you allow to seize upon your heart. Because listen, what starts in the heart carries into your life. And these people came with a belief that the giants in that land were bigger than their God. And as a result, they came back with a false report. Something that contradicted the word of God. And it took a hold of the hearts of an entire nation. And as a result, they went around in circles for 40 years. 40 years. It's very possible that there's someone right here this morning, and you're watching this. And you can relate to the experience that these people had. Because you feel like you're just going around in circles. I believe that right here, right now, God's speaking to you. And hey, maybe there's someone that that's not your case. You're doing well. But I I know that God's also speaking to you because he's also speaking to me. He's speaking to all of us. Whether you believe in him or not, this is true of us all. What's happening in your heart? And if you want to know what's happening in your heart, listen to the example of what God told Joshua in chapter 1 verse 8. He says, keep this word of the Lord, this word of mine, this truth upon your lips. Listen to your words long enough and you'll hear what you believe in your heart. When you're faced with troubles, when you're overwhelmed, when your world is crashing down, when the sky is falling upon you and you feel like you just can't get a break. Listen to the words of your heart. Because they'll tell you what you're believing. I sense that God's saying to us, believe in me. Believe that I have a land of promise for you. Believe that I'm still at work. Only believe. Believe that I can't fail. Believe that I'm only good towards you. And so you see, what's on your lips provides direction for what's in your heart. Luke chapter 6 verse 45 records the words of Jesus 
as it pertains to this point. And he says, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. Listen to this. He says, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What's in your heart right now? And where are you carrying the flow of your life with your words? Proverbs 18, 21 goes on to tell us that the tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. I know that for some of us, we believe, you know, well, I got this. I'm in control of my life. I'm driving the direction of my life. You know what? You are absolutely right. But I want you to see something that it's based upon what's in your heart. And what you are producing, whether it's life or death, by what you speak. (laughs) And so speak according to life. But not just any life. We're talking about the life that God has for you. And that's based on his truth. As you speak according to life, the God kind of life, you'll reap from the life that he places within your heart. God wants you to live an abundant life. God wants you to know peace. God wants you to know what true joy is. That joy isn't in the midst of a joyous moment. That joy is a quality of life that he offers to each and every one of us. The next point that I want to leave you with, and this is where we come to a close, is that your meditation, what's happening in your heart, determines what you do in adversity what you do in adverse situations Joshua was facing a great challenge ahead he and the entire nation of Israel but you see Joshua not only not only did he have to contend with the enemies that surrounded Israel in this new promised land Joshua also had to deal with the enemies that arose within his own ranks Listen, Israel's history is one riddled with highs and lows in their trust and faithfulness to God. And Joshua had to be prepared to deal with all of their unbelief. He had to develop a strong heart to lead a people who struggled. You know, it's interesting about this word meditate in Joshua 1.8 is that that word meditate, it's, it's powerful in this verse. Listen, it doesn't refer to an exercise of the mind or the emptying of our thoughts. You know, for some of us, we hear meditate and we think, oh, we think close the doors, turn everything off get away from everyone, go up on some mountaintop and just listen to silence. That's not meditation. Meditation happens in the heart. And so this word refers to the working of the heart. The word meditate there actually means to imagine and to devise. It means to construct and envision it means to chart a course and this all happens by what you believe and how that belief begins to impact what you begin to think and see and conceive and so when God told Joshua you shall meditate on my word day and night He was not saying, you know, I just want you to have thoughts about what I say in my word. I don't know about you, but I I can do that pretty well. 
I can regurgitate some scripture in my mind. But to see from the heart, few people go there. See, we got to go deep if we want to go high. We got to get past the fluff. We got to get down to the nitty gritty of what is happening in the heart. Because in the heart, belief leads to what we conceive in our thinking. And it's what we'll produce in our lives. And so what God was really saying to Joshua was, you shall imagine and you shall chart the course of victory ahead of you according to my word in your heart. In other words, think of it this way. The filter through which you shall see your life and devise it will determine the approach for your life. Let me put it to you this way. Your heart is your filter. And, it, and what's coming out of that heart is what you're experiencing right now. And God's telling Joshua, the filter for your heart and your life shall be my word embedded in your heart. Listen to Philippians 4, 8 through 9. These are the words of the Apostle Paul. And you got to understand that Paul is in prison. Paul is in chains. And Paul's at the tail end of his life. He knows he's at the end. And he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Did you get what he said? Think about these things. He says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, it's been working in his heart is what he's talking about. He says, put it into practice. And the God of peace, listen to this, will be with you. As I said, Paul was writing from a place of imprisonment to a people, get this, that they were undergoing persecution in their own lives. And despite these realities, you know, we don't see, we don't find Paul here vexed and overcome with fears. We don't, we don't see Paul saying, hey, write me a letter of encouragement and pick me up. Listen closely, ladies and gentlemen. In life, we're going to face adversity often. And sometimes we're going to face it alone. And you must prepare your heart so that you can stand when no one else will stand with you. You must be ready, the Bible says, in season and out of season. Now, granted, that's talking about making a defense for what we believe. It's talking about sharing the word, being ready. But you know, sometimes you got to be ready to share the word just to yourself. And that can't happen unless that's embedded in your heart. I'm not talking about reading through the Bible. I'm not talking about pulling some key scriptures that you're just going to confess. You can confess to your blue in the face. But unless you believe, you'll never receive. You'll never have a flow of life coming out of your heart. And so, instead what we see is that Paul's providing encouragement. When it would seem that he's the one that should be receiving it. And the reason why we find Paul in a place of such strength is because of what he was already doing in his heart he says whatever's true whatever's noble whatever's right get this picture Paul's in prison and he's not worried Paul's in chains but he sees himself free 
Paul believes the best in the midst of the worst. Paul's not worried about the sure death sentence that's to come. Paul's not worried about the sleepless nights. Paul's not worried about the guards who harass him. Paul's not worried that he's alone. Paul's not worried that people have turned their backs on him. Paul's not worried about what people are saying. Paul's not thinking about what people are believing. Paul says, I'm focused on whatever's good. God, you're still with me. Whatever's true, God, your word cannot fail. Lord, there's glory ahead of me and I'm walking in it even right now. Paul's got a praise in the, in the midst of a problem. Instead of worrying, he's worshiping. Instead of faltering, he's flying high. Friends, you and I, we can do this. But we must heed to the words of Paul. This is the heart of God. See, if you're going to overcome adversity in life, you have, to, and you have to follow Paul's example. See, instead of reasoning according to what the circumstances said, what the government officials said, how timely and appropriate is that in our day and age? In the circumstances that we find ourselves right now, we're surrounded by officials, experts, opinions. Everybody's preaching a truth of sorts. But there's only one truth that stands and remains to the very end. God says in his word that he is not a man that he should lie. That what he has spoken, it shall come to pass. Do you know what God has said about you? Are you convinced that you are the head and not the tail? Are you convinced that you cannot fail because the strength of Christ is the strength that's bringing you through? Are you convinced that you will make it? Are you convinced that your provision comes from a great provider as opposed to a paycheck? Are you convinced that your health is intact because by his stripes, healing is already yours are you convinced that even when you fall short you stand tall because you are the righteousness of God do you believe God see Paul reasoned according to God's word and you can do all things just like he said he could do all things you are a conqueror. You, you are covered under his wings. You will succeed. But right here, right now, as we come to a close, I challenge you to consider what's the meditation in your heart? Because when life throws you lemons, it could be bitter. But you know what? It can also be better. And that flows out of the meditation of your heart. As we close here, I draw your attention to what becomes possible when the meditation of your heart is defined by God and his word. We won't put these up, but I want to challenge you to go back and check it out for yourself. In Joshua chapter 1 verse 2, God says, get ready to cross over. <laughs> Woo! Man, is God speaking to you and me right now. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Somebody go ahead and type, get ready. Go ahead and tell somebody, I am ready. Get ready to cross over because his word is true. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, he says, I will give you every place where you set your foot. Listen, right now, take a step. It's yours. Right now, dare to believe that you can do what God says. I don't care what the economy says. I don't care what the experts say. God says, you take a step and I'll show you my path. I've already established it before you. In Joshua 1, chapter 4, he says, your territory will extend. I'm telling you, begin to accept your expansion. 
God's enlarging your territory. That is his will for your life. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 5, he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. (laughs) In Joshua 1, 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. And in Joshua 1, 8, he promises you, you will be prosperous and successful. Joshua and the people of Israel experienced a great victory when the walls of Jericho came collapsing down upon themselves by the hand of God. But that victory wasn't won by their shout. Listen, that shout, that was a celebration and a proclamation of something that God had already cemented in Joshua's life. The Bible says that because Joshua trusted the Lord in Joshua chapter 2 or 3 I believe it is it says it says the people they looked at Joshua with awe and they feared the Lord this was before they got to Jericho but why see it takes someone to meditate in their heart and produce a wellspring of life based on the truth that God has deposited there for victory to happen all around. As we close out here this morning, I believe that God is speaking to each and every one of us. I believe that God is saying to you and I, I've got good things. You don't have to be bitter. You can experience better. I've got more in store for you. But my son, my daughter, my child it begins in your heart today I want us to take a moment as we close out to simply incline our hearts to God to take a moment of stillness and to be transparent with our hearts and man if if your meditation has been on anything less than God's best if it's been on mediocre things And right here, right now, consider what's true, what's noble, what's lovely, what's of good report. God, you're still present. God, you promised that I will prosper and I will be successful. God, you say that you are with me and you will never leave me and you will never forsake me. God, you say that you are extending my territory. God, you say that wherever I set my foot, my feet, that it's mine. Today, there's a shift in our lives. There's a shift happening in your heart right now. And if your meditation's been somewhere else, then right here, right now, begin to focus upon the promise that is resident in your life and that's available for you. Say, God, here I am. And my heart, which was created for your truth, from this day forward, I will meditate upon you. It's very possible that there's someone here this morning as you're watching and joining with us. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you saw the feed and you just kind of clicked on and you've been listening. and, and, And for some reason, you just can't get away from this reality that you've been going around in circles. And you've never realized that it's because you've been meditating on the wrong thing. It's because you've never taken the time to consider the word of God. But today you see differently. And there's an openness in your heart to know God and love God and embrace an entirely new life. That life begins by believing this one simple thing. John 3, 16 and 17 says that God so loved you that he gave up his one and only son to die on a cross. Why die on a cross? Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. The payment that's required for sin is death. See, you and I can't pay that because we fall short. But God said, I've got a better plan. 
I'll become like them. I'll live without sin and I'll pay the price. I'll become guilty. I'll assume all their guilt so that they can assume my freedom, my peace, my forgiveness, my acceptance, a brand new life. And so John 3.16 says, For God so loved you that he gave his one and only son, that if you would believe, you would not perish but have everlasting life. And here's God's promise to you and me right here, right now. In verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it. God's not mad at you. He says, but to save it. God's reaching out to you right now. And right here, right now, I believe, right, 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 right here over these, these airwaves, right in the homes all over this, this region and beyond, there are people that are looking to God and you're saying, God, I need you right here, right now. Let's pray this together with them. Say, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe you died and you rose again. I believe you paid the price for me because you love me. Today, I declare that you are my Lord. I accept you as my Savior. And I look to you as my God. And from now on, I'm trusting in you. I'm following after you. And I'm asking you to show me your ways. My friends, you will no longer walk around in circles. There are doors opening up in your life. And my fellow believers, God's not done with us. We're not living on the bitter side. We're we're living on the better side. There's a sweetness to life for you and me. Father, we thank you for all you've done here this day. We praise you for the exalted Christ and the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey friends and family, thanks again so much for checking out our weekly sermon podcast. We pray that God spoke to you directly through this message. And if he did, we want to know. Send us a message on Facebook or Instagram. You can even give us a call at the office to let us know how God spoke to you. Don't forget to also share this message with a friend, a co-worker. Share it on your social media stories. You never know who in your life may be blessed by this word. Thank you again for checking out our weekly sermon podcast, and we'll see you next week.